Welcome to Lakeside Church's message podcast. Our prayer is that you fall in love with Jesus, find a church family, live in freedom, and be active in your purpose. Let's join the message already in progress. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the opportunity to share your word. I thank you for the opportunity, God, to to read about Jesus, to learn about Jesus. Right now, we want to meet Jesus. We want to learn about him. Don't let him just be somebody in a book. You're the living God. You're on the throne. You live. You're alive, and you're here. And we glorify you, and we come to meet with you right now. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So, Brother Mike, you can put on slide two if you want back there. He is back there. Mike has stepped in at the last minute. Um, This is the message. And the word gospel means, on slide two, it talks about how it is an announcement of a king's victory with the promise of peace and deliverance. So that's what it is. These four gospels are four stories, four historical records that tell the story of Jesus Christ Because Jesus is our peace, and Jesus is our deliverance. So if you don't have peace, you're looking for Jesus. If you don't have deliverance, what does deliverance mean? Well, back in the day, if if, if an invading army took you over, you would be their slaves. And you would be in bondage, maybe in chains or or in some kind of servitude. Deliverance means we're going to get you out of that. We're going to take you, and we're going to make you free. And that's what Jesus is for us. Um, And if you go to slide four over there, we've established with this, because not only do we want to read about Jesus in the Gospels, the next one, brother, not only do we want to read about Jesus in the Gospels, but we want to have a 15-minute with Jesus challenge. I had somebody tell me, now what is the challenge? The challenge is for you to right now take out your cell phone or your whatever you use that you keep your calendar and set yourself a reminder to spend 15 minutes with Jesus every day. And within those 15 minutes, we're asked, breaking it down in ART. Take a minute or two and just ask Jesus to make himself known. Take R, read the Gospels for about 10 minutes, and then end it with thanking. End it with a little bit of gratefulness that Jesus heard you. Now you may say, well, that's silly. Well, I was talking with somebody this week, and I won't put their name out there. But they said, Chris, thank you so much for that challenge. And I'm like, why? They said, I got into an argument with my boss. There was some conflict at work, and I went out to my car, and I was about to just start cussing. And you know how sometimes cussing will make you feel better, even though it makes you feel worse? And this person went out to the car, and was like, I was so mad, and I sat there, and right when I got right about to get angry, my phone went off. And it said, spend time with Jesus. And it said, the Holy Spirit just broke in there. And instead of leaving more angry and more upset, and going somewhere maybe the spirit didn't need to go, that her spirit didn't need to go, God brought it around. So I challenge you. That's the challenge during this gospel reading time is to set it, put an alarm on your phone or on your watch or whatever you do, Fitbit or whatever, I don't know, but um, do something. And we're going to be going into a part of the gospels where Jesus was tempted in the wilderness. Now temptation, like that's a heavy thing. You guys know what temptation is, right? Jesus was tempted. We are tempted. To tempt, I kind of put a little definition. I looked it up in, in the Greek, and it has a few meanings. It means to entrap. Now, my kids, when we go to the grocery store, um, you know how they put the really expensive junk, like right next to the register? 
like candy that's like $4 for a little plastic baby doll with some sugar in it. And you're like, no. And the kids grab it or little flashlights or playing cards. And kids grab all that stuff. Well, we never let them buy that stuff because that's just impulse purchase. Except for once, we let them buy the Venus flytrap. I don't know who thought it would be a good idea. But they put a bunch of Venus flytraps by, um, by the register. And my son was like, can I get this, Daddy? It eats bugs. I was like, yes. Because any plant that eats bugs is cool. And the Venus flytrap is awesome because it sits there and it has something that looks very enticing. It looks very nice. It looks great for a fly to land on. And the fly flies around and lands on it. And that plant does what every other plant wishes it could do. It just closes up and dissolves and eats that fly. But it's a trap. Temptation is always a trap. It always looks good but it always keeps you longer than you want to stay and takes you farther than you want to go. Temptation is dangerous, but it's enticing. Don't tell me it doesn't look good. That leaf from the Venus flytrap looks delicious or smells delicious or whatever bugs are attracted to, that leaf has it. And the enemy puts things out there to entrap you, to entice you, but then this third meaning, it also, you'll also discover your true character. And that's where it kind of gets scary. So let's, um, let's talk a little bit about temptation in 1 John, and it's on the, the paper. You can look. Chapter 2, verse 16. There's a scripture um, that's not in the Gospels, but I want to talk about temptation and then talk about Jesus' temptations. John says, For all that is in the world, the desires of your flesh, the desires of your eyes, and the pride of life is not from the Father, but it is from the world. I want to put it out there. I want to give you some heads up. Because you want to know what the enemy is going to do. Because whether you're aware or not, the enemy is going to come after you. And especially if you've got a plan or a call from God on your life, the enemy is going to come after you. And he's going to tempt you. And chances are he's going to use one of these three things. Or all of them. He's going to give you a desire of your flesh. Do you know that we're a culture that, that we better feel good? Like, we want to feel good all the time. It's, it's a very hedonistic culture. Like, we go to the movies, and no longer is a padded chair enough. We need a leather recliner with a cup holder. Like, we can't just feel a little good. We need to be all the way back. Like, it has to feel great. I hurt my back, and I went to the doctor, and, like, it was really hard to get pain pills because there's so many people out there abusing pain pills because they just want to feel good. And I'm like, I, I promise, I really just need them. Like, if I was going to do drugs, I'd buy them on the street. Like, seriously, like, I'm in pain. I came to you. Like, I needed them. But it's even because we're a hedonistic culture. Need the leather recliner. It has to feel good. The next thing is the desire of the eyes. It has to look good. Sin will look very good. And we're a very visual culture. 50 inches isn't big enough. I need 70 inches for my TV. And it needs to be so clear that I could tell that it's a movie set. You know, my dad has one of those 4K TVs where it's like, it doesn't even, it looks too real. It looks like some guy on a soundstage. Like, I don't want it to look that real. I want a little imagination. Like, it has to be, has to be good. It has to be crisp. The graphics have to be amazing. Like, the video game, like, when I, when I play 2K, I, I, want, I want it to look like LeBron James is actually LeBron James, like, dunking the basketball. I don't want to see any pixels or anything. Like, it has to, de the desires of our eyes, it has to be that way. And then the pride of life. 
and you better guard your reputation. You don't want people thinking you're soft or people thinking you're dumb or people thinking you're stupid. Like, you've got to protect your reputation. Sin will always come in at least one of those three ways. I believe it came that way in the Garden of Eden. In fact, if you were to go back and read the book of Genesis, when, the, when, the, when Satan tempted Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, it says when they saw, and you can go read it, look it up, Google it, see if I'm telling you the truth, but when they saw the fruit was good to the eyes and good to, the t- good to eat and would make them wise, they took and ate. It hit all three, the desire of their eyes, the desire of the flesh, and the pride of life. So I wanted to give you some insight because that's how temptation is going to come. You just got to decide what you're going to do about it because whether you like it or not, temptation is coming. One thing, a key point I want to get out there is that all the damage that was done in the fall of Adam is restored in the gospel of Christ. When Adam sinned, he took that fruit, he and Eve, they partake of that fruit. Man, that, does, that ability to sin for the, the flesh and the eyes and the pride of life, man, that blood runs in your veins. Adam's blood runs in you right now. You were born of Adam. The same faults, the same weaknesses. Like, you got it. We all got it. We may not look the same on the outside, but the same blood is going through us, the same proclivity to go out there after those three things. But all of that damage that was done is restored in Christ. And I want to show you that in the temptation of Christ. First of all, the four Gospels, I want to show you how they relate to the temptation of Christ. If you go to Matthew and Luke, they really spend a lot of time on Jesus being tempted. You can go back there and you can read and you can study. Mark, Mark goes quick. Mark is like, Jesus was tempted, move on. Because that's how Mark is. Mark's just real fast. John doesn't even mention it. But that's okay. If all three of us or four of us were at a party, there'd be some things that some of us would talk about and some things others would talk about. But that's okay because, you know, it's four different perspectives, but they all line up. But let's go into the book of Matthew, chapter 3, verse 16. Now, the temptation happened right after the baptism. And I want you to see that. And can somebody get me a glass of water, please? I I would appreciate that. Verse 16, it says, Behold, the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and coming to rest on him. So what is this talking about? John the Baptist baptized Jesus. We talked about baptism last week. The Spirit of God comes and rests on Jesus. I want you to get that picture. And then as the Spirit of God is resting on Jesus, this voice comes out of heaven and says, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. Like It had to be real deep, real scary, because some people thought it thundered and some people didn't know what happened. But that's what it says. That this voice came and says, My beloved Son, with whom I'm well pleased. It says, And then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. Thank you very much. Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. Isn't this interesting? Jesus has a really awesome experience, and the very next thing that happens, he goes through a very dry experience. And if you've lived with God for any amount of time, you'll notice this is true. But I want, to, I want you to see some, um, some parallels. This next slide, slide 11. See, Adam was a son of God. Jesus was a son of God. Where was Adam? Adam was in paradise. And where did Jesus wind up going when he was tempted? He was in a wilderness, a desert wilderness. 
See, Adam was in a very lush land. He had everything he needed of nothing. And you're going to see God takes Jesus to the very opposite of that, a desert wilderness. But the first key you can get from that verse, the first key to overcoming temptation is being led by the Spirit. I have to be very clear. Like nothing else I will tell you will help you if you don't get this. If you don't learn how to be led by the Spirit of God. If you are not led by the Spirit of God, you will fall every time. The Bible says those who are led by the Spirit will not fulfill the desires of the flesh. Like You need something in you to counteract that blood of Adam. Because Adam's blood is always going to lead us to sin. And Christ's blood will forgive us for that sin. But we need to be born again of the Spirit so that we are new, so that we can be kept from temptation. So that's the first key. So Jesus goes out into the desert, uh, verse 2, and after fasting for 40 days and 40 nights, that's just way too long in my opinion, he was hungry, understatement of the world right there. He was hungry. Yes, he was. And the tempter came to him and said to him, if you are the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. Do you not see that? The voice just came out of heaven. God, the Father, the Spirit hit him in the river when he got baptized. The voice comes out of heaven and says, you are my beloved son. He's Jesus. And how does the enemy go after Jesus? Hey, if you're really the son of God. He tries to get him to doubt. Tries to get him to second guess. He he immediately tries to get him to second guess and question God. Every single time, that's how the enemy will start. He'll try to get you to second guess and question God. If he can try, if he's dumb enough, or smart enough, I don't know, to try to get Jesus to question who he is, don't think he won't try that with you. You're not really saved. You don't really believe. If you were really a Christian, you'd do this. If you were really a good person, you'd do that. You didn't even set that stupid alarm Chris talked about. You don't love Jesus. The enemy will try to get you to doubt who you are. But it says, command these loaves to become bread. But he answered, this is Jesus, it is written, man will not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. I want you to see something like Jesus did miracles later on where he multiplied loaves. Doing the bread trick was not hard for Jesus. Jesus could have gone, boom, bread, there you go. And been fine. But he didn't have to prove who he was. I want to look at some parallels between Adam and Jesus. And I want you to think, Adam in the garden, Jesus in the desert. Adam was strong physically. Jesus was weak physically. Adam had a full belly. Because remember, Adam could eat from every tree he wanted. Like he could just go around and eat from everyone but that one. And just like a dummy, he's looking at that one. All of them, but that one, and so that's where he's looking. Jesus had an empty belly, 40 days. Adam had his identity question, and he doubted. Jesus had his identity question, but he believed. Do you know that's the same thing that the, the devil told Adam? He says, God, God doesn't want you to eat it because he knows that if you eat it, you're going to be like him. And the scripture said that Adam was already made in his image. He was already like him in his image. But Adam fell because he doubted. He doubted who God made him to be. 
Adam was overcome by a lie. He started to think, well, maybe I'm not made in God's image. Maybe, maybe there is more. Maybe God is not good. Maybe God is hiding something from me, and there's, there's something else out there that's better than what God has given me. Let me taste and eat because it's good for my eyes and my flesh, and it would make me wise, and I'd know if God was hiding something. Jesus overcame with the truth. Jesus said it's written. So you have to know your Bible. And you cannot just know preachers. You can't know what preachers say. You can't know what memes are on the Internet. You can't know the quotes you see, like, the Internet is never wrong, quoted Abraham Lincoln. You know what I'm saying? Like, you can't live off of that. You got to know the, the, the Holy Spirit, and you got to know the Word. You have to know the Word because the enemy knows the Word. And you have to be able to say, it is written. Adam sinned by giving into the flesh, but Jesus obeyed by following the Spirit. The second key I want to give you to overcoming temptation is that you have to learn how to counter the lies of the enemy with God's truth. Enemy's going to tell you you're useless, and you say, no, I'm, I'm a new creation in Christ Jesus, created for good works. Enemy's going to tell you you're, you're lost, and you say, no, I'm, I'm found in Christ. The enemy's going to tell you you're broken, and you'll always be broken. And you say, no, I'm broken, but in Christ, I'm, I'm whole. He was broken so that I could be restored. You have to know the Word of God. And you have to counter the, uh, the lies of the enemy. But see, right there, how did the enemy come? He tried to tempt his flesh with bread. And he was weak in his flesh. You know what? You don't have to be weak in your flesh to sin because Adam wasn't. You can sin. Don't use your bad circumstances as an excuse to sin. Because here's the truth. People sin a lot when they have a lot of money. And people sin a lot when they have a little money. People are with God with money. People are with God without money. People are addicted to drugs when they're making $500 million a year. And they're addicted to drugs when they're breaking in the gas station, stealing cigarettes. Sin is no respecter of persons. Don't blame your circumstances because it's really what happens right here. Because there's people that have a lot more than us and are a lot more worse off. A lot more miserable. Then let's go on in the story. Verse 5, it says, The devil took him up to the holy city and set him up on the pinnacle of the temple. And he said to him, look at this again, If you are the Son of God, again trying to get Jesus to doubt, throw yourself down, for it is written, He will command his angels concerning you, and on their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against the stone. But Jesus said to him again, It is written, You shall not put the Lord your God to the test. See, Jesus knew God would protect him. That's why he went to the cross. He knew he would not allow his Holy One to stay in decay. He knew he would rise again on the third day. He told his disciples he was not worried about himself, but he was not going to let the enemy tempt him with pride. He never did a trick to show off. I would have done tons of tricks to show off. Walking on water, I'd be doing it right now if I could walk on water. There'd always be water everywhere for me. I mean, if you could do that stuff, we would probably, because it'd be cool. I'm not showing off. I'm just walking on water, you know, because I, I do that. That's how I am. But I want you, I want you to see some parallels. It's Adam ignored God's command, and he failed. Jesus remembered God's command. He remembered it wasn't wise to test God, and he won. 
Adam exalted himself. He reached out. He tried to grab something he shouldn't have. He tried to say, yes, I want wisdom so that I can know what God is hiding from me. He went for more than he was given, and he fell. Jesus stood with what he was given and said, I know, I know who I am, and I'm not going to tempt God. God will never allow me to have decay. He trusted God fully. For the joy that was before him, he endured the cross. And he went to the worst, he died the worst possible death, and as he is exalted to the highest possible place. The third key to overcoming temptation is humility. You got to be humble. Now, the biggest temptation, I was trying to say, what temptation should I talk about today? Because there's a lot of them. But the biggest temptation for me has probably been that since my back's been hurting, I had to rely on other people to set stuff up. Now, I don't know about you. There's, there's a few different types of people in the world. Some people are like doers, and some people are not. I, I'm a doer, which means if there's work to be done, like, I'm going to do it. If we, you and I worked on a job together, and we had to do anything, I'm going to start working so that I could finish and stop. Some people, they're different. They're going to wait as long as possible to start actually doing anything. Right? You know those people. You work with them. They're going to sit there. They're going to talk. They're going to goof off and make the job go a heck of a lot longer. Me, I'm going to get down, get to work, and my temptation all day, don't pick that up, Chris, because your back is starting to feel a little better. And Chris, oh, it's just one sign. Oh, it's just one chair. Oh, it's just this. And before you know it, I, I'm putting myself. I was, I, I, was, I was banged up this week. I didn't sleep until Wednesday. From Friday to Wednesday. This is how bad it was. Wednesday, came home at 5.30. I was going to go see my friend, Dr. Adam, back there. He's going to work on my back. He said, come by about 7 o'clock. I said, I'll, I'll lie on the couch. I'll rest a little bit. Or on my bed, I'll rest a little bit, then I'll get over. Fell asleep hard, like drool, everything coming out of my mouth. Woke up, there was lights outside. I don't know what that is. There was lights outside. I grabbed my phone and said, 8 o'clock, I slept in. I ran, I got ready for work, texted Adam, said, I'm so sorry, I missed last night, I, I, I didn't come over. Ran to the gas station, pumping gas, going to work, fully showered. All of a sudden, I realized the guy in the gas station is buying Miller Lite Tall Boys. I'm like, it's a little early in the morning for some Miller Lite Tall Boys, and it was 8.45 at night. That's how banged up I was. That's how I was banged up. So I have to rest. I was like, hey, maybe some people drink tall boys at 8.30 in the morning, but, but that's not common. It made me check the p.m. on my watch, on my clock. That's how banged up I was. And I need to heal, but I, my pride doesn't like it because I don't like to let people do stuff. I want to do it myself. All right, we're, we're finishing up. The last temptation, verse 8, it says, The devil again took him up to a very high mountain, and he showed him all the kingdoms of the world in their glory. And he said to him, all these I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. And Jesus said, be gone, Satan. You need to memorize those words because you need to use them. Be gone, Satan, for it's written, you shall worship the Lord your God only and only will you serve him. And the devil left him and behold, angels came and ministered to him. I want you to see some parables. Adam, parallels. Adam put his eyes on the beauty of the fruit. That fruit looked really good. Remember, it's the flesh, it's the eyes, and it's the pride. That's how sin takes you every time. Jesus kept his eyes on the will of his Father. He was not going to worship the devil. Like, that's a pretty basic thing. If you're wondering, should I worship the devil or not? Answer is always no. 
All right? I'm not worshiping you, devil. That's basic Christianity, right? We don't worship the devil. Jesus said, I'm not doing that. He kept his eyes on the will of the Father. Adam let the enemy hang around. He should have told that snake to get out of here. Because remember, Adam had dominion over the garden. Adam had control. He could have told that snake, get out of here. Stomp that snake or raked it or something. I don't know. Whatever you do to a snake. If you love animals, then you do something gently with it. But if it was in my yard, he may be dead after he's in my yard. I'm just going to be honest. But Jesus, he kicked the enemy out. He didn't want to have that enemy around anymore. The fourth and final key to overcoming temptation is standing in the authority that God gave you. So a few things you need to remember as we wrap up, because I think there's some people that you, you battle with temptation. You're like me. I want you to know that you have to be led by the Spirit. You have to know the Word of God. You have to be humble, and you have to stand in God's authority. If you can do those things, now hopefully you wrote it down, but be led by the Spirit. Well, how do you start being led by the Spirit? Well, you got to start spending time with Him. That's why we're doing that 15-minute Jesus challenge. So you can get used to stopping your day and checking in with God, of not letting the craziness of life overtake you. That You could take a few minutes and stop and say, you know what? I want to follow you, Jesus. Here I am. Reveal yourself to me. I'm going to read your word, and I'm just grateful that you love me and you haven't given up on me. And you need to know your word, which is why during that 15 minutes we've said, hey, just read the word a little bit. It's amazing how many people don't know what Jesus said. And then you need to be humble. You know, being humble is hard. But I'm going to tell you that's an essential piece of overcoming that pride of life. We like to puff ourselves up. And the way of the kingdom is opposite. Because when you humble yourself, God will lift you up. It's a promise. Humble yourself and God will lift you up. But if you raise yourself and exalt yourself, he is going to swat you. I'm not trying to be rude. I'm trying to give you the heads up. Like It's going to be like, bam. You ever play basketball against a little guy who's trying to put one on you? Me and Adam, I think we did that. There were these little kids that played against us. Adam played basketball. He's tall. He's good. I'm not. But these little guys were talking smack. And you know what? They weren't going to get one on me. I was putting that ball right back in their face because a little trash talker come up there, and I can't dribble. I'm about to break my back. But he just come up here, and I'm like, ha, 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 whap. And you know, that's how we are to God. We're trying God. We're acting like, a, yeah, I'm, not, I'm, I'm immature. I don't care. But that kid learned a lesson. I'm all about free lessons. He needs to know that when you get prideful, you will get swatted. All right? It's the truth. And it was fun, too. It was real fun. You all need that. These little, we can't coddle kids anymore. Let's get, teach them how life is. Yeah, then they realize you pull back, shoot a fadeaway or something. You know, try something else that will work. But here's the deal. If you humble yourself, I promise that God will lift you up. Like, I promise that happens. Like, God sees the humble in heart. And he'll put you in places you don't deserve. He'll do things with you that you'll just be like, God, you're too good. You're too great. And it will be good. And then your eyes. That's the other piece of this, right? Don't put your eyes on the fruit or the eyes on the kingdoms of the world. Keep your eyes focused on Jesus. 
Keep them focused. Now, the problem is with this right here, with the same thing that you can set an alert to remind yourself to spend time with God, you can get taken into the depths of sin. But this portal right here that opens up the farthest resources, the recesses of the world, I can, I can be taken into greed or gluttony or lust or, or rage or hatred. Or just some of the most vile things can come pouring through this screen. But you know what else can come here? The Word of God, friends, family, or sharing, talking with somebody that is in the community about Christ this morning through this. It doesn't have to be the most wicked thing. It's only wicked if you let your eyes go there. Use it for good and not for evil. And so I, I just feel like as, as we close today, I hope you learned something about Jesus' temptation. And you know, all that damage that Adam did when he fell, Jesus overcame it. To me, the story of Jesus going out into the, into the desert at the beginning of his ministry, put it in perspective, Jesus came here to redeem the world, to take the world back. And the very first thing he does is he goes out into the desert and he meets the enemy. And it's like he just gave him a good jab right in the nose. You know, like, you know that first punch that catches you like, oh, whoa, we're really fighting. You know that, re- that punch that you know that, oh, this is for real? Like, I thought we were just playing. And now all of a sudden you got punched in the nose and that hurt. Oh, this is real. Jesus was letting them know who's boss. You gotta, he's letting the enemy know, showing him that he's victorious. I'd like you to bow your head just for a second. I'd like you to close your eyes. I'd like you to, to think about where you are in your walk with God. Now, maybe, maybe you just don't face temptation. Maybe you've learned this a long time ago, and you've been walking in victory, and, I, and I'm grateful for you. If that's you, you need to be in prayer right now. Because there's other people that you're, you're literally at the end of your rope. You've been beaten by temptation. You've been... Uh, you struggled. You're not a bad person, any worse than anybody else. It's just you got the blood of Adam running through your veins. And you're weak and you're broken and you need the blood of Christ to set you free. I don't know what your temptation might be. I don't know what you might be struggling with, but I know Jesus wants you to leave here free. I know Jesus wants you to be free. If that's you today, if you're just struggling with something and you just need to be free, I'm going to ask you to humble yourself. But when you humble yourself, God will hear. God will answer and God will raise you up. If you're battling with any, any, any struggle, any kind of temptation that you just need prayer for, would you put your hand up right where you're at? Hey guys, I'm Bob. <laughs> <laughs>